First question, what is one thing you do to have the best year ever? I try to have the best day ever, every day. And I try not to think too much about the macro and the big picture of my year. Ooh, I absolutely love that. So from what I hear, you like to try and stay present. That is exactly what I try to do. Try being the keyword. Uh, of course, that's the intention that we set. And it's not about perfection. It's about progress or doing it. I love that. It's so true. It's so true. And welcome to Best Year Ever, a podcast designed to inspire growth and impact so you can create your best year ever. And I'm your host, Rob Cressy. And joining me today is Rachel Hamlin. Rachel, great to have you on the show. Hey, Rob. Thank you so much for hosting me today. So quick background, you and I are part of a creative coaching program that is a year long. We are, I don't know, two months into this and you and I are very like-minded. We have a similar energy, a similar mindset and outlook on life. And I was like, you know what? I want to get Rachel on a podcast to chop it up. I love it. I'm so happy to be here. Curious, what do you think is most similar about us? Uh, it is the, I would say it's an energetic way of seeing life. So I love that among other things, you are someone who is, uh, I guess we'll call it a digital nomad where you're traveling the world while building your business. And I relate to that because I'm someone who has built a locationless business for the last decade. And it doesn't matter if you're traveling the world or living wherever you want. But there's a way of being that it comes with being one of those people who does that, who leaves one world to create your own world where there is no path and no rules and you get to create it. Right on. I love that. I love my freedom. That's for sure. Well, you, you nailed it. So when I look at like, ultimately, what is the number one thing that I want? And it's freedom. I want creative freedom, freedom of choice, freedom to decision, uh, freedom in all areas of my life, because that's not what I had previously. Mm -hmm. Freedom over my time, freedom over my location. Absolutely. So Rachel, there's a few things that I want to talk to you about today, and I also want to start by prompting this. What would you love to create today? Ooh, I hadn't thought about that this day, so let me think about it. I would love to create beautiful moments with my family today. I am here um, in my parents' place, transiting for a few days on my way from one digital nomad location to the next. And so tonight we're doing an early birthday celebration for me. My birthday's in November. And um, I would just like to have a beautiful time with them. Ooh, wonderful. I love it and happy early birthday. So uh, one thing that I'm going to bring to the table today is... Uh, you just shared yesterday in Creator Circle about what you want to create in your world. And there are so many insights mm -hmm. and things that I gleaned from that. Mm -hmm. And then before our conversation today, I jumped on social media to see what's going on in the world of Rachel. And there is one thing that you mentioned that I want to talk about right out of the gate because I believe it can help everybody. And you know what that is? 
not enough time to work out. In the irony, time period. The (laughs) irony of this is this morning uh, I created an Instagram post around my declaration of I am that I have more than enough time to get everything done. So let's talk about time and not having enough time to work out and where this is coming at for you. We can't talk about time without talking about our values though, can we, right? Because like I am fully with you. One of my declarations is uh, I am in no rush. I am in no hurry. I am in no rush. I also love, I have all the time in the world. It's a mantra for me. But when it comes to working out, I just, I just, I don't seem to have the time. (laughs) Suddenly the mantra flies out the window and it's like, ooh, ooh yeah, 15 minute workout. That's, that's it. We're just going to have to make do. All right. Well, one, there is a place that you can stand where 15 minutes is better than zero minutes. So uh, one of the quotes I love, happiness is a function of expectations. So are you walking around that, oh, I am that I need to be working out for an hour. And if I don't do that, then I'm not working out enough. Or that's really what we do to ourselves is we create these stories in our heads where we're not enough of something, even if we are doing something. I think I used to feel that way very much about working out that you had to go to the gym, you had to put in like an hour, you had to sweat, um, you had to show how much you were doing because other people, you know, I would honestly think about like when I walked into the gym and what other people were there and when they saw me come in and then I had to do enough reps of enough things in order to have done a proper workout. I couldn't leave until I'd like proven myself to other people in the gym. Um, but these days I really, actually, that is part of why I do these 15 minute workouts because I'm getting fit. It's working. It's really impactful. And so what more do I need? It actually suits me really well. Because the other thing we talked about in Creator Circle yesterday is how I'm a workaholic. Like, I want to spend my time on my laptop. I want to be connecting with people. I want to be writing. I want to be reading. I want to be engaging my brain. And so 15 minutes for a workout to actually feel worked out, perfect. Gotcha. So one thing that I've created and learned is what I call a micro-fitness mindset. And what this means to me is one is always greater than zero. And I live by a philosophy of no zero days. So what does this mean? Well, if you think about it, a workout for me is more mental than it is physical. I get it. Mm. I love to look good. So I actually do it for the vanity mm. of it more so than the mm. like the, oh, the long-term health benefits. I'm like, no, I want to look <laughs> in the mirror when I see it. But nonetheless, uh-huh. um, I'm someone where if I don't work out, then in the back of my head all day, it's like, when are you working out? When are you working out? When are you mm. working out? So it's mm. like, all right, if I believe in no zero days, which I do, mm. well, If all I have to do is one thing so that I'm not doing a zero, it's actually about Mm. the mental trigger in my head that says, Rob, did you do one anything? So for this, it would be like, Rachel, can you do three push-ups or seven Mm -hmm. jumping jacks? And the answer Mm -hmm. is yes. And what I will find that I do is... Uh, I created a thing called naked push-ups. And while the shower is warming up, I would just drop down and do 20 push-ups or as many push-ups as I could. Boom, done. And that allowed me 
to remove the judgment on did I work out enough by knowing that I didn't work out zero and this is good enough because I did it for my mind and I'm an action-oriented person so I know I'm going to be working out consistently and this allows me to essentially have a consistency streak of infinity Uh by having a micro fitness mindset. And that feels amazing. I absolutely love that because it's a fallacy to think that more is always more, right? Half of why we do anything, half of why me and my clients do anything is for the gratification of checking the box, right? And saying I did it and and building that identity too of the person who is fit or at least who works out, right? If you do 10 push-ups a day, you can say you work out, you take care of yourself, you have that belief in yourself. And that is part of what feels so good about it. It's not even so much yeah, the long-term health benefits or how fit you are necessarily. It's more that you give it some care and attention and you are that person, isn't it? Well, right, because the thing that is the biggest challenge for people is the action, not the duration. So how many mm-hmm. people get to the gym and are there for one minute and like, you know what, I'm leaving right now and do that all the yeah. time. No, yeah. the challenge is yeah. getting off the couch, putting your shoes on, <laughs> going to the gym, and then once you're at your gym. So a thing that I learned way back in the day is I love to play basketball and shoot hoops. And the gym that I, I went to had a basketball court. So what I would do is I would shoot hoops for 10 minutes every single time I went there. And that would then be the lead in to me working out. So I stacked something I loved, basketball, and then I put on the working out afterwards. And if you create these simple mind games, like by no means am I trying to tell everyone how to become Mr. Olympia. All we're talking about is the judgment or lack of action that can come Mm. from, I don't have enough time to work out. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Pleasure pairing, I would call that. When you do something you love or something that makes you feel really good and you do that to get in the zone, partially, to do something else. I don't know if you were making that your goal, though. You were like, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to play basketball. I love that. And then we'll see what happens, right? There was like no pressure on it for you. Well, I just know once again, if I'm at the gym and I'm like, my 10 minutes are done, I'm not going to look at like the weight bench and be like, huh, what should caveman do now? Should I leave or should I work out? No, I'm going to go work out. I've already set the intention. I, for me, it's not the weight bench itself. It's the social pressure. I love it. I love a group. I've always loved like a group workout for that reason though, but it's so smart. Any way you get yourself in that environment, if that's going to inspire you, you got to do it. All right, so let's go to number two thing that I want to talk to you about. And yesterday you said that you cannot stand hustle, bro. And I put it in air quotes because one, I am a bro. Two, uh, hustle is part of what I do in my DNA. But here's the thing that I absolutely love. The number one thing I've been working on in creator circle is this perspective of Mm -hmm. I am that I create more output by working less, which is the opposite narrative of hustle bro culture. So I want to hear from you around your distaste for hustle bro culture, because that's something that I'm exploring right now as a hustle bro who gets it, but thinks there's other ways of doing it. 
Uh-huh. I love that. Well, first of all, I like you, Rob, so you're the exception. Um, <laughs> my distaste for hustle bro and hustle culture is, again, it comes down to that thinking that more is always more. And I'm just allergic to the idea of hard work because why does work have to be hard? Right. Like we're not working on factory lines or, or, or even worse anymore. You know, we do knowledge work. Many of us, many of us, um, at least you and I do. And um, it's a great privilege. A and B, it's not it, 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 it's only hard because we make it hard inside our minds because of all the stress and all the um, sort of emotional attachment we have to what happens in our work. Right. And I also just don't think that you need to work. In fact, most people cannot work productively for eight hours a day in order to have a huge impact, in order to create whatever it is that you're creating. In fact, I know, I, it's not that I just don't think that, I know for a fact that you don't need eight hours, never mind more than eight hours if you're a super hustler, to do what you need to do in the world. Yeah, and I think it is a narrative, let's call it, or a story around what hustle means. And when I thought about breaking down, create more output by working less. So mm -hmm. I looked at the words specifically. And when I got to working less, I said, well, what does work mean to me? And I was mm -hmm. like, well, when it doesn't feel like work, I'm creating or I'm coaching. But when mm -hmm. I'm putting on air quotes, my business hat, the marketing, the SEO, the WordPress, the um, air quote lead generation, the, the various other elements of business, which can oftentimes be the, the narrative or the story that we allow to uh, be not enoughness or what am I not doing right or, or that. I was like, I don't want to be doing that. That to me is the work. And uh -huh. when I thought about this, I was like, well, wait a second. I'm just going to do what I love then. And that is creating and coaching and living yeah. from that place. So yes. I've taken the narrative that creating more output and working less doesn't mean that I'm sitting on the couch watching Netflix. I can choose if I want to do that, but it is more about the spirit of the game of what are the things that I'm doing and creating and I loved how you talked about allergic to hard work because you're right. I don't want to do hard work. And for so many, the narrative of work is hard. It is grinding. It is heavy. And I want the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. So with you, I grew up with that. I just remember like when I was um, in my first job in my early 20s and I would call home to complain, of course, because I was like, this is awful. Um, and I'd been so looking forward to it, too. I was so excited to have this office job and to kind of like dress up and be some interesting, important person contributing to the world. Um, but I would call home like every night and talk about all the things I disliked about it. And my dad would just say, well, that's why they call it work. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> work is in, it, that's tautological, like that's just silly. But work is then just inherently a negative, bad thing. And so for me, it's almost like work is too vague or inappropriate a label even for what it is that I do. And I use it, like I'll describe what I'm doing. I'll text my friends on a weekend. I'll be like, oh, I can't, I'm actually doing some work today. And what I actually mean is I'm sitting in a coffee shop and I'm like, reading or like watching videos or something that inspires me and, and this is going to feed into my coaching and I'm just calling it work because it's contributing to my ultimate like output and impact in the world as a coach but it doesn't it's I, what does work even mean right? <laughs> like it's like I'm reading is what I'm doing 
Well, what about if we look at the term work as it relates to our world as doing the work on ourselves? So here's the other connotation. And I just finished reading uh, a book by Byron Katie about, uh, I think it's like the four questions you ask. I don't remember the name of the title of it. And I finally started to put some connections together between um, me going through being a client magnet and reading this book in us as part of our regular lexicon. We talk about, we put in the work on ourselves and it's this inquiry inquiry into the judgments and the self-limiting beliefs that we feel inside that are stopping us from taking action or creating the things that we want in our life. And then we see the innocence in it. And then we flip it around and create a more powerful being and declaration around ourselves for it. And that's what we consider the work, the inside work. And it is both beautiful and liberating and ugly and hard. And it's some of the biggest narratives and thought loops we've ever had in our life that we experience on a regular basis and everybody else does. And that's what Eric quotes the work is. And that is completely different than everything we just talked about with hard work. I am so glad you brought this up because this actually came up in conversation between me and Darren this week. Um, You're talking about this exact concept of Byron Katie and how she calls it the work. And it came up because um, I was making certain things in my business hard. I was making it all feel very laborious and heavy and stressful. And for some reason, Byron Katie came up because she calls it the work. But at the same time, Byron Katie, if you've ever watched her videos, she always seems to be having a great time. Like she has an amazing sense of humor and there's a real like levity and lightness about her. So she doesn't make the work seem hard. And at the same time, it is hard because there's a lot of emotion that comes up and it's very confronting for people and for me. And as much as I value and love the work, that work, the self work, conceptually and the act of it and everything, I always have a bit of resistance, right? To sit down and do my meditation, to sit down and do like declaration work, to sit down and do thought work. I always have a little bit of dragging my feet, gotta get myself disciplined to like come into a space and focus on it. Um, So it's just so funny that you brought that up because as much as it sounds like work and it is work, Byron Katie seems to be having a great time. Well, yes, and I love how you framed it, making things in our business hard because I would then say we should all look at the areas of our life where we are making things in our life hard. And many of us may say somebody else is making the thing in our life hard, but quite frankly, Mm -hmm. that's just a story that we are telling ourselves. So you say, all right, where are there hard things in my life? And this is now going to segue to number three thing that I wanted to talk about. And I don't believe you heard this because you had to bounce at the very, very end of our call yesterday around our takeaways. But uh, when you talked about your topic of wanting to create a Trojan horse for your business, I was like, boom, I'm going to be vibing with this. This makes complete sense for me. So I, I love your the path of everything you guys went on. And my main takeaway from what I was looking to create is that all the creating I've done to myself, give that to people. 
And I am powerful and loving in everything I do, especially in what I create. And one of the biggest just game changers for me from the conversation was, and it doesn't matter what you talk about when you create, just be, and it is your being that attracts people because the people want to be like you are, so therefore it is you showing up and you being not mattering about what you talk about. And I was like, oh my goodness, I feel like an anvil just got lifted off my chest because of the amount of judgment that I can have on what it is that I'm creating and is this right or wrong? And all of a sudden, there was a brand new story in my head where I was like, it doesn't matter what I talk about. It just matters who I am when I show up. And I know of all things, the thing that I am best at is how I show up. My energy, my love, my power, the things that I bring to it and when I realized that, I was like, holy smokes. And there went all the hard that I'd been creating for myself. That's so cool. Yeah, it's amazing because um, I came in, Miss Former Brand Strategist, and was like, well, I really want it to feel sexy. Like, I want it, I love aesthetics, I love brand, I love design, and I want the language to speak to people. And it was all about the surface layer of what I present to potential clients and people out in the world so that they can connect with it on a way that excites them, excites both of us. And, you know, what I've always known, ironically, as a brand strategist was that it wasn't even so much about that as it is what the brand stands for, right? Like what the brand believes in and is willing to stand for with conviction. And that can always be expressed in so many different ways, right? So many different finishes and polishes and aesthetics and they don't even have to be that beautiful to be honest if people could feel what the brand stands for what it means what it cares about what it believes in and so for me that's actually the extra dimension between like behind like who you who you are and who you're being it's also about like your conviction what you believe what you're willing to take a stand for um both for yourself and for other people and it was right there in my face <laughs> that that understanding of brand and sexiness is just it's just, it's just like subterfuge. It doesn't matter. Well, I love that you just talked about that because this week I created a video around the ultimate separator and what separates me from 99% of the people out there in the world. It is that I am all in on mm. my dreams, my best life, my journey. Yes. And there's a belief that comes to that because I think once you figure out the belief in who you are and what you're building and your belief of, I am living my best life, it is the game changer of all game changers when you believe because you have that faith. It's what I love so much about creating massive visions. You create the vision, but you don't have to know how you're going to do it. You just believe mm. that you're going to find a way to do it. And the power of belief is just so strong. Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, I feel that from you really clearly. I feel that passion and that like that um, commitment that you have to having the best life ever, the best year ever, the best day ever, probably. Um, but belief is easier said than done, isn't it, for most people? I think I think I think many people out there undervalue how important it is or don't even think about it. But okay, so 
why let's break this down because it's interesting i don't know if i've ever had a conversation with someone around the formula for belief because if and i'm just going off the top of my head a quote i love is the only way to change is to change and change happens in an instant you get from i am this to i am no longer this i am now this so when you think about belief, it goes from I do not believe to I do believe in an instant or something needs to trigger you that you do believe something uh, is going to happen. So what do you think the formula is for belief? I think the formula for belief is just completely irrational conviction, just conviction by choice, because that is what it is. It's you go from I do not believe to I do believe and I know it's not as easy as just deciding that you believe in something because you can think it in your head, but that doesn't mean you feel it in your body or your heart. And at the same time, that's the only way to create a belief before the thing that you want to believe in exists. You just have to choose it. And you have to be down with how irrational that is. And here's the next layer of what I believe most people miss. So you can say, I want something and I believe I'm going to get it. But there's a great book called The Power of Consistency by Weldon Long. And I talk about this all the time because it was a game-changing book for me. And what he said is, most people don't spend enough time working and thinking about their dreams. They think about it once and then three years later, they're like, why has this not happened? He's like, you want to create a practice where you are consistently on a regular basis going back over your dreams. So it's a simple intention and awareness thing. And this is no different than us creating our being for who we are. How do you create who you are? Well, you do it every single day. Why? Because it's a reset of the new day. So when I think about my own belief, I feed myself the belief. So step one, you create the vision of what you want and what you believe is going to happen. And then step two, you continually stay with it every single day. It's why as part of my morning routine, I've got a boot sequence of things that I read and I say out loud and I declare that creates who I am and where I'm going and what I have. And what do you think happens when you read or speak out loud something every single day for a week, a month, a year, or a decade? Do you believe you will start to believe? I do. I do. I've just started playing with that because initially I was really hung up on the need to clear out disbelief. I'm a tapping practitioner, EFT. And so I've done a lot of work on helping myself and others to clear like the blocks, the obstacles to believe the things that are like, well, I can't be that because I'm this, like, that's not possible. Or I can't do that because I've never done that before. Right. And so first, like getting over the, I've never done that before part feels really important to me, but I have just been playing with the idea of repeating things to myself day in and day out as a result of some of the work we're doing in creator circle and becoming client magnet and all of that. And especially when you're using the like I am statement and you start to create an identity around it, 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 it does start to like sort of shape how you show up and how you think about yourself and bias you into doing the things that are going to bring whatever belief it is to fruition. Well, yeah. And that's why we then feel into it make it real until we collect evidence of it as it relates to us creating our being, showing where we are this thing. And the best example for belief that I can give is um, 
Actually, I've got two of them, but they're all about the same concept. So it was around uh, making a million dollars. I was like, for the longest time, I had a goal of I'm going to create a million dollars. And I was like, I believe I'm going to do that. Then I read Grant Cardone's book, 10X Rule, where he says, whatever your goal is, I want you to 10X it. Why? Because even if you don't get it, you're going to be better off than if you had this, the lower target. I was like, yes. all right, 10 million and $1 it is. So now every single day I'm reading this and, and I'm starting, I have to believe into this because I just 10X the amount that I did. And mm. then I heard another podcast with Grant where he says, oh yeah, I 10X it, but then I created even higher so much so that it scares me. And I was like, wait, what? I just 10X the number that was already the big number. And now you're telling me that number is not big enough. So I'm like, all right, I'm in for this, this story that I'm telling myself, this way of thinking. So I'm like, yeah. all right, 50 million and $5, that's the new number. And I sat with it and it was on paper first and then just day after day, I made 50 million and $5 and it's the tense that you write it in. It's, it happened, I made 50 million and five. Well, guess what happened after a few months? I started to believe that I could and was going to make 50 million and $5. Why? Because I stayed with the story in my head. And so often we may only be in the story for a minute and then we never right. think of it again. Yes. But then once you realize, wait a second, I can tell myself any story. So I'll put a bow on this. Two months ago, I'm on a group coaching call with Jesse Itzler and a bunch of other guys, and they introduced this guy named Rick Steele. Never heard of the guy in my life. He's apparently an awesome guy. And they're like, here's Rick Steele. He's an Iron Man guy, and he sold a billion dollars online. And I was like, damn, Rick, that is cool as shit. You sold a billion dollars online. And in that moment, I said, I believe I can sell a billion dollars online. And why did I believe that? Because I just saw that Rick did it. I didn't know anything about Rick, but if Rick can do it, I can do it. And what I love so much about this belief and this vision practice is my goal now is to shatter the ceiling of my belief all the time because yeah. I believe I can create a billion dollars. Am I waking up every single day with that being my number one goal? No, but that belief is coursing through my veins. And guess what? I do believe that I can sell a billion dollars online. And the things that I'm building, they're very scalable and the structure and the process. And sometimes you got to put something out there in the world and let that little seed of love germinate to see what yeah. can come from it. That's so cool. If you hadn't been having that consistent practice of telling yourself that belief, though, you might not have connected to whatever Rick said in that moment as clearly as you did, right? Like that came in as such a strong seed of possibility for you because you'd been doing that consistent thought work to have that belief. And I think the other thing is like, what's really tricky is when, you know, you want to 10x something and you don't maintain consistency of building the belief in 10x, the first opportunity you get to 2x or 3x that you're going to settle for. And oh. you won't keep going. V very much so. So, Rachel, next thing that I want to talk to you about is a concept of creating, not finding. And this germinated from your discussion yesterday 
when uh, so often as we are building a business or creating ourselves or creating our best lives, we think that we have to find something, a marketing practice. I'm not doing something right. There's like this magic key out there that when I find it, I'm all good. If I only had a marketing funnel or if only I dot, dot, dot. But then there's the perspective of, what if it's actually you create it, not you mm-hmm. finding it? Mm-hmm. Yes, I love this. This is so true. And you know, nothing has come exclusively from within myself, You know, none of my success. It's always come through a moment where I find something. I see something, some offer, some program, some mentorship available, right, that I connect with. And then within me, it creates possibility, uh, it creates excitement, it creates belief, uh, like your like your exposure directed, it creates commitment. And, and that is what then I apply to that thing, that thing and I work together that I found and I create whatever it is. But it like, it definitely comes from within, it definitely comes from within. And that possibility being awakened in me through whatever it is that I found. Yeah, and one thing that I've uh, felt into relating this is, is there a right path or a wrong path? So back to the, am I talking about the right things with my content as it relates to me showing up as a coach? And you and I are both people who create our own path by design. We said, we don't want the path that everybody else is on. We want the life where we are in charge of it. Yet here's Rob showing up saying, wait a second, no one's telling me the path. Am I on the right path? Hey, where's that path at that everybody's talking about? Uh And it's like, wait a second, me creating the path is the thing that tells me that I am on the right path. It is not finding the right path that tells me it is the fact that I created it that says it's the right thing. So it's, a comp- it's just a very simple distinction of me choosing to do it is the right way, not I've got to find the right way, and that becomes the thing that I create. Yeah, I like that. That's been coming up for me a lot lately. Um, you know, I absolutely believe that there are no rules. There's absolutely no one right way to do anything, and you can be successful doing something in exactly the way that you want to do it. I believe that 100%. And at the same time, like everyone else, I want security. I want to know that what I'm doing is working. I want to know that it's going to work. And recently I've been leaning into the idea that like when you're in a space of discomfort and uncertainty and not knowing it's going to work, but you're still taking action and you're still cultivating your belief and you're still aiming for whatever it is that you want to create, then you should take security from the fact that you are going through the discomfort. From the fact that you are willing to be in a space of uncertainty and discomfort and you're still taking a step ahead and a step ahead, there is no doubt in my mind that it is working, right? Even though it might not feel like it is, that is your security, knowing that you're taking the steps. Yeah, there's something that Dan said in his takeaway yesterday that I loved. He said, uncertainty is the reason to take action, not the reason to not take action. And I was like, amen, brother, sign me up for that. Could you imagine what this world would be like if when people felt uncertain, the trigger said, 
You feel that? Now go and do it. Not, I feel uncertain. You know what? I'm not going to do it because I don't have all of the right answers. You're going to teach your kid that, right, Rob? Amen to that. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. (laughs) Not enough people learn that. We don't learn that. I know. All right. We're going to have two more things, then we're going to bounce. Next thing for you, Rachel, the results we want to deliver for our clients are actually the things that we want for ourselves. And mm. this is something that JP talked about. And when he, when he weaved it together, I was like, wow, that makes complete sense. And I think about my coaching and the way I lead and the way that I create. And the reason I'm able to do so is because I've seen the transformation in myself So I know it's possible and I know what it can do for others when they see said gift. So I want that gift for other people. Mm, Yeah, I love that. I think my number one thing is freedom, but particularly emotional freedom, because what I know better than anyone is that you don't necessarily have time freedom or, or, or any other quality of freedom just because you work for yourself right? Like you can just as easily stay stuck in this idea of needing a path, needing to follow rules, needing to be available all the time, whatever it is. And so it's like this internal state of freedom that I want to create for myself and others, regardless of their context or what kind of work they do. Oh, I love that internal state of freedom. That's, I mean, there's just, that's light like a feather where uh, one of the things that I declare every day is I am in flow. And I think about just flowing in the water and like a feather or or a leaf just blowing in the air and making that part of my being. And that to me is what your internal state of freedom feels like to me. What does it feel like to you inside? I love that. It feels like deep presence. We spoke about presence at the top of this um, conversation and it's the integration. This is going to sound so like, this is so wordy, but it's like the integration of my whole being, like not just my intellect, which is what we use so much at work, the brain, the, the thinking machine, but also like my, my, um, my emotional being and my physical being and my spiritual being, all of those things feeling present and grounded and centered as I do whatever it is I do that creates a sense of flow for me. Oh, I love it. So last thing at the top, you said today you would like to create beautiful moments with my family today. So how would you define beautiful moments? Like what does that look like for you? It looks like me being in a grounded and present place where I'm not going to take out whatever stress I might have on the people around me, especially my family, because it's easiest to take your stress out on them sometimes. So what are you going to do to show up as a being that is the best version of yourself, not one that is quick to judgment or to unload everything on your mind? Mm, I'm going to have the best day ever. I've already done my meditation. I've actually already done my workout today. As you know, I've come on this podcast. I've picked up your infectious energy. I'm going to have an amazing coaching conversation with one of my clients. I'm going to receive amazing coaching from JP. Anything that's going to have me in a really great place because I'm doing some of the things I love and I'm taking care of myself as a whole person today. Wow. I absolutely love that. And you know what I love about that, Rachel, is I can see each of those different things in your life. 
and to put a button on or a bow on best year ever. It is the formulaic side of things, the structure or the system or the process for how you create yourself into having your best day. And you just listed four or five things that you've already done before noon today that help you create the best day so that you can show up and have beautiful moments with your family today. And guess what? We all have that ability every single day to do those things where you're like, man, when I do this, when I do this, when I do this, I have an amazing day. Then you can show up in a way for everybody else where it's beautiful and it's loving and you're loving it and they're loving it. And then you rinse and repeat it every single day. And it is the opposite of hard work. It is the most amazing thing ever. I love that. I know, absolutely know what those things are for me. And I hope that everyone else knows that for themselves too. So Rachel, as we wrap this up, I always like to do a takeaway or action item at the end of this. And I'll throw this to you for someone listening or watching right now. What is one action item or takeaway that you would have for them? Hmm. I think it would be just going off what we just said, go sit down and figure out what it is that makes the recipe for your best day ever for an average day, right? A normal Wednesday where you're going to be doing some work, you have some things you need to do. What are the ingredients that create an awesome day for you? Is it meditating? Is it working out? Is it breath work? Is it being with your family? And make sure that you're doing those things every day. Oh, I absolutely love it. And I'm going to yes and that. And I'm going to go to what you said at the end around internal state of freedom. I want you to think about what does your internal state of freedom look like or feel like? Can you describe it? Could you write it down on a piece of paper and say, my internal state of freedom look and feels and sounds like this? Because once you identify it, congratulations, then you can create it and you are that. There's an Instagram post I made a while back, and it is an image, actually a video of this field that's out by my parents' house, and it is just drenched in golden light, and it is so peaceful and so beautiful and so calming, and I wrote that this is the inside of my head after meditation when I'm in that state, and it reminds me of the quote by Rumi, which I think it goes um, out beyond... um, right doing and wrong doing there is a field i'll meet you there and that's that's what it is for me it is that field and that quote oh i absolutely love it and i love how specific that is there is such goodness in specificity rachel had so much fun jamming with you i'm looking forward to the next 10 plus months of us learning and creating together where can everybody connect with you Likewise, Rob. Um, I'm on Instagram as R Hamlin, R H A M L I N. And I'm also on LinkedIn as Rachel Hamlin for any professional people who would like to connect. And Rachel, is there a specific type of person or client or area Mm -hmm. that you like to help or be a champion for others in? Yep, absolutely. I work with workaholics. I work with people who love what they do and they want to alleviate some of the pressure that they feel in doing it so that they can just enjoy it and do it with a sense of ease and flow and still have impact. 
Oh, I love it. Definitely reach out to Rachel if you are one of those people who enjoyed this conversation and could use a little bit more Rachel in your life. And on my end, you can hit me up on all social media platforms at Rob Cressy. Or um, if this resonated with you, I actually created a free resource called my 10 Foundational Mindsets. This is what I use from a coaching philosophy that says, all right, what do I know now that I did not know a decade ago? I just am giving that to you for free. Go to robcressy.com backslash transform. Sending tons of good vibes your way. Hope you have yourself an amazing rest of the day.